Hi, I'm Ido Sum. I'm a partner at Telcom Capital. Uh, we are an Africa-focused tech VC fund that uh, has been around for many years and it cl had closed its uh, first Africa fund uh, a couple of months ago. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thank you. You've been in business for a while, um, but this fund's been a long time in coming. Tell us why. Uh, so yes, we've been in and around venture for, uh, for many years, since 99, with a bunch of funds uh, covering mostly uh, Europe and Israel. And uh, a few years back, decided that Africa is a good place to, uh, to uh, focus on, uh, seeing a bunch of things coming up together. Uh, and it took us a couple of years to build a strategy and then to gather a f a a the right team around it. Uh, but uh, th we had discovered that this is not the most popular investment theme uh, around the world. Right. And I love your honesty straight off the bat. Why? Um, I think that in general, most people outside of, you know, our own uh, little uh, eco chamber don't really care about Africa. You know, it's, it's fairly small in terms of uh, global economy. People do not perceive it as a tech hub. And uh, the combination of the ri risk perception of both Africa and tech, people just think it's too dangerous. Yeah, I, th I think I read something like 10% of global VC ends up in Africa, which is shocking, right? Some, something like that. I read something as, as little as that. No, I think it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a very small number in general. I'm from Israel originally, and in Israel, I think, you know, on a monthly basis, more money is invested that in, in tech in Israel alone than what's invested in Africa in a year, uh, and, and by, you know, by a big factor. So uh, that is just to say most people don't perceive it as not, not as a potential target market and for sure not as, not as an investment target market where you can make money. So who was the champion in your team that saw this fruition? Because I... In my experience, I know that's how it works. Typically, you know, someone in, within a VC has to champion this this cause and feel like you know everyone else is sleeping on it and sort of bring the rest of the team around. How did it work at your organization? Uh, well, the, the case I think for us was a bit different because this team was built around this idea, so all of us are great believers in it. There was a change uh, in part of the team. Mauricio had founded. Uh, the fund the 99 I joined him in 2011 uh, and we when we had met uh, we both had uh, joint passion to to try and start uh, an Africa VC uh, and he had given me the opportunity to kind of look at this for you know for a year uh, which then became two which now became six and a half uh, and see if there is room for that and then you know he was very excited we were uh, very lucky to uh, to be able to add to our team Andreata and mobile over the last uh, four and a half years and uh you know this team was actually built around this idea and so can you point to a single occurrence or perhaps a number of occurrences that led you to pretty much commit your professional life to you know africa's continued emergence as a as a, a serious player within technology you know globally so I think, again, for each of us, it's a, it's a bit different. For me, on a personal basis, I've been in and around Africa for roughly 11, 12 years now. Uh, I have started a company in East Africa in 06, trying to build a wireless broadband operator uh, in the early days of uh, <laughs> connectivity there. He says that smiling. Why are you smiling? Why are you chuckling a little? What, ha what happened there? It didn't end up uh, too well, but uh, it was a great experience. I mean, again, it it's, was kind of a different era. School fees, would you say? Uh, yes, m you know, my, my own money and some, some of my investors' money. Uh, but I, I think that's part of the journey of, you know, of entrepreneurship in general. Uh, and there was, you know, many lessons learned uh, through that uh, journey of uh, working with African regulators and, you know, building a team and 
raising money and you know trying out something you know so you're going to carry on exactly from where you stopped but something occurs to me i hate stereotypes but i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of play to this one i think generally speaking africa doesn't isn't very kind to failure and isn't kind to yeah to this notion of experimenting or harnessing a bad experience or a business failure or using it as a springboard to something else do you come from a different cultural background that almost uh, values that and sees your experience in you know in your initial venture as frankly an excellent investment in understanding what not to do so Yes, I do come from, you know, I, I, I grew up in Tel Aviv in Israel, and this is where I spent, uh, you know, my first uh, kind of uh, just under 30 years of, uh, of life. And uh, it is perceived different. It's a very entrepreneurial community, and hence most people know that failing is part of the game. Uh, actually, you know, in, the, in recent years, you would find the fail, uh, you know, the, the, the fail con or failing conferences going around and people talking about their fail- failures uh, in a very open manner. Uh, there, there are a series of talks and, and, and uh, debates around it. And uh, I think that, yes, it is perceived as something that is part of every entrepreneur's journey. Luckily for me, there were some things that I did that uh, were you know, more, more of a success uh, stories. Uh, specifically, this one in Africa didn't work out. But again, I think you learn as much from a failure, if not more, than a success. I'd asked you about the epiphany or the number of occurrences that might have led you to appreciate the, the opportunity that's here on the continent. So let's pick it up from there. So yes, when we had started this journey, uh, it was early days. There was, uh, you know, it was all around connecting people to uh, to uh, the network. To then, you know, it was uh, telephony and then broadband and mobile. Um, and I think, you know, we were pretty early to the party. And uh, while we had missed our chance because of many things, including the crisis in '08, after which it became very challenging to raise money, or more money. Uh, and and we had to close down at some point in '09, but I went then you know for two years uh, to the U.S. and s- stayed very excited about what I saw and met in Africa in terms of opportunity. Many things had changed in my two years there, so undersea cables had come to uh, to the continent, and connectivity became more of a fact than an issue than a challenge. And now the question became, what do you do with this connectivity, right? What services can you can you run on this? Uh, on a personal basis, I wanted to experience investments a little bit. I was doing, uh, I was on the entrepreneurial side of, of the equation for roughly 10, 12 years before. Uh, so I, I had met Maurizio. He had come from a long uh, career in consulting. He was a very senior uh, at Bain. He led their uh, telecom practice, then started TLCOM in 99, did tech investments and didn't become bored from European tech, but you know wanted to do more exciting things. He had done a couple of investments into African-focused tech companies, and one called Movirtu, one called Upstream. Both were doing very well. We've exited both very successfully in 2014. Um, and, you know, we, we thought that it might be a good idea to, to have a look. Um, and uh, we wanted to check a few things. You know, is there enough deal flow? Because we're in, a, in, in VC, it's a denominator game. So we invest roughly in one over 100 companies we see. And hence, we needed to make sure that the hundreds are there. And it took us a while, but we are now, you know, uh, proud owners of a database of uh, well north of 1,100 companies. And, you know, we are very convinced that there are enough opportunities and we see hundreds coming to the market every year. Uh, The second was, you know, is there enough uh, talent and, you know, is the quality good enough? And we had met enough entrepreneurs and teams to, to check or tick that box. Uh, there was a question about ability to exit, and by exiting our own two portfolio companies, 
that was sort of a proof for us that it's you know if you have a good company it doesn't really matter where it's from uh, and you can and you can exit it uh, profitably and that, that at this point we had decided to to launch you know TLcom tied Africa uh, and uh, and this is where we are today and so what's your thesis your, your investment thesis uh, to oversimplify, you know, and, and the one-liner is everyone has mobile, no one has anything else, so whatever you can do over mobile is interesting. But, you know, if we go kind of a level underneath that, I think the penetration of mobile is, is fairly high. You know, anything between 65 and 80% depends which market, which country, and what you count, whether it's SIM cards or, or users. And then there's the complexity, you must admit, of the fact that despite smartphone penetration being that high, actual internet penetration or use of the web via mobile is still fairly low or at least at a very basic basic level yeah so again these numbers apply to mobile users not to broadband users not to smartphone users smartphone users anything between 10 and 20 percent uh you know maybe 25 in some specific markets um but the fact of the matter is that people are now connected to something whether it's 1g 2g two and a half three whatever g that is and this is only improving over time so the, the, you know, they're now connected to a centralized system over which you can communicate with them. If you look at any other utility-like service, whether it's access to financial services, to energy, to uh, education, to good health uh, services and so on, penetration would be from, you know, 5% uh, energy in, uh, in Nigeria to 25 or 30%, you know, some financial services, some other markets. And hence you have this opportunity to allow these services, if you can, over mobile. Now, not everything is feasible. You can't flash a toilet uh, over mobile, but many things are. And if you can make them affordable, use technology to make them affordable, because purchase power is still low uh, for mass market, you can now uh, allow um, many people that were uh, excluded from this uh, type of services before to, to, uh, to uh, have uh, access to them. Because you listen to the podcast, you're probably familiar with my tendency to be fairly idealistic on, <laughs> on this show. Yes, idealistic certainly, but I, I do try and, and infuse a great deal of pragmatism in, in the way I think or my approach. And I'm going to try an idea on you as an investor because I understand you sitting here underlining your entire story about uh, seeing Africa as this potential for, for growth has probably less to do with the fact that you, you know, their warm feelings toward the continent. You probably love the place and you have friends here and you love it. But I, I know if there wasn't profitable business to be done, this conversation wouldn't be happening. You'd probably be somewhere else in the world, right? So give me a sense of how you, you balance that. Because in my mind, I make peace with the sort of justice complex I carry on one shoulder by looking at the ecosystem players in this emerging tech scene and just thinking, well, whatever their motives, I'm going to hold them to account on value. So give me a sense of how you think through what's worth investing in. It might not be a very short answer, but... Uh, Which is okay. That's why we podcast. So look, um, I've started my career at you know, roughly 17 and a half um, when I've started my first nonprofit uh, in Israel trying to settle the Negev, which is the south uh, desert, uh, southern part, the desert uh, part in Israel, which is roughly 60% of... Uh, of the area and to make a long story short you know we we uh we were a bunch of friends from high school we started a non-profit raised some money did some you know got some influence uh didn't work too well but out of that then uh, founded two more uh non-profits uh the the latest when i was uh 23 
and the idea there was to combine um, business and social. So to take business tools, I was uh, studying industrial engineering at the time, and apply these uh, methodologies to uh, to the social world to help nonprofits to be not profits oriented, of course, but to improve their services, their social services by applying business tools. Uh, this organization has just celebrated 15 and it's the largest of its kind in Israel. And, you know, we've done hundreds and hundreds of projects over the years. Um, and when I was about to graduate university with the same partner, I've started Nova with uh, and, and before that Degem and other things, you know, we were good friends since uh, since 18. Um, we were thinking, what can we do that would be interesting for us, would be straightforward business, but would still have a bit more of an impact on the world? And I know it sounds a bit, you know, simplistic or altruistic or whatever, but, you know, just for, for our own personal interest, this is what we were looking for. And this is how we started uh, our YMAX business at the time. So while I must admit that over the years I became a bit allergic to the, the use of the word impact and I'm trying to shy away of it as much as one can and you know we're trying to be as commercial headed as, as put you know as possible as possible uh, the reason that I'm excited about here and I've you know given up a lot of things over the last uh, you know six and a half years more so and even even before that to, to become a part of this story is because I think that by doing business here you can achieve more than just business the reason that we are so commercial oriented is i think that if you mix the social impact size with a commercial side you you get a very blurry kind of of, of thing that in my view in the long term is not helping africa and by that i mean that the greatest gap in here right now for entrepreneurs to you know to succeed is, is a stronger ecosystem and for a stronger ecosystem you need more money you know we started from why was it so hard to raise money because no one wants to come here because no one perceives it as a business destination so the only money you see here is either aid money or philanthropic money or you know people who want to go feel good about themselves money and this money you know it's it's you know there is a lot of reach people out there that have this type of money but this is a very finite um, resource this is a very limited amount of money on a global you know um, uh, financial uh, markets basis we're talking a promille of, of everything the only way to bring here the serious money right that the asset the US asset allocators money the, the pension funds money the the real world's money is to show that this is as good if not better in terms of return than any other market globally. So, you know, for me to get next time money from very, very commercial U.S. investors, I need to be as good, if not better, than U.S. VCs, Israeli VCs, Chinese VCs, Indian VCs, and so on and so forth. And if I won't be, you know, profit-oriented or commercially-oriented, I won't get there. And hence, you know, to tie back... I, I believe that this will have more positive impact in the long term than anything else. And so who's basically trusting you to to uh, deploy their wealth? So at this point, it's a, it's a collection of, of, uh, of um, dedicated money for this type of investments, which is the DFIs. 
so development finance institutions uh, such as uh, EIB, which is the European Investment Bank, which is you know the, the some of the EU's money, African Development Bank, which is the African uh, continent uh, countries' money uh, deployed into Africa, uh, and uh, Proparco, which is the French government uh, investment arm. Uh, they're all backers of our fund. Uh, we have a very large uh, family office out of the Silicon Valley, uh, which is uh, owned or, or, or is uh, the, the family office of uh, Bob King, uh, who is a very uh, successful business person, made a lot of money in venture and in asset uh, uh, allocation in the U.S., including in emerging markets, and is a tremendously great belie- believer in these type of investments. Uh, we are backed by First Bank of Nigeria, uh, which was for us a great um, stamp from a local institution, which is fairly rare in, in the tech scene here, uh, and a bunch of other high net worth individuals that had been with us as a team for many years and just believe in, in, in our own ability to deploy money. And how big is the fund? So we had closed 40 million. We're still in uh, fundraising mode, so we have another just under a year to go, and we hope to achieve a larger fund. The target is 100 million, but 40 million are committed and are around the table. And this is what we are investing out of uh, at the moment. And was it hard to, to bring them um, to the table or to enthuse them in your vision? It was hard in the sense that, um, again, this is not a very straightforward offering. Uh, how, how long is sensible for them to expect to see results, quote unquote? In venture, these are long cycles. So the fund has a ten life, uh, ten years life, and you know we can extend by two years, and you know which is very standard for venture funds. Uh, and the typical investment would take anything between you know five and seven years to to mature and to realize. Um, but I think the, the 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 hard part for us was to convince, and actually it was much easier with the high net worth individuals and the people that came from technology investments. That was, you know, the first money we had uh, committed uh, around the table. With uh, the DFIs, we were very lucky to, you know, to be supported by the pioneers of, of the DFIs within venture. But still, these were, you know, a few years of conversations uh, to bring them around uh, the fact that, you know, this is an actual asset class that has room and, and will bring a lot of value to Africa in the long term. You know, they've started from large uh, buyout funds and then mid-market funds and these and, and then debt SME funds and the whole concept of venture was perceived as way too risky for many years. And so why was it important that you bring those types of folks on board? I imagine there was there were easier places you could go knocking. Yes and no. I mean uh, for the, the for for the typical institutional investors, i.e. fund the funds and corporates uh, and pension funds and asset allocators. Africa is just not an interesting enough story. And for those who do, you know, they would do a large private equity where they can put in one go 50 or $100 million. They have no time and, and patience to write 5 or $10 million checks and hence they would never look at such an opportunity like our fund. Um, so you, you, it's very hard to initiate an asset class in Africa without the support of the DFIs. And they're the most experienced investors in this geography and you need them as sort of a you know, um, stamp of, of quality and assurance for others to come. So we are very grateful to, for, for having them and was very important for us. So let's talk about how you go about vetting potential, 
you know, investees. You uh, we had a chat, a, a, a sort of fireside chat with Rebecca Enonchong um, of AppsTech in, in the first day of the, the African Angel Investor Summit. <laughs> a very sparkly conversation. A lot of hot takes made their way to social media and so on. Help me understand how you go about vetting potential, landing it. Uh, and again, taking into account everything you've said so far, what, what do you make of this this debate or this concern that some people have, uh, myself included, about uh, the worrying trend towards only certain kinds of people, only certain kind of profiles being able to attract investment money. How do you guys go about thinking about these things? You know, for us, there's, there, there are always three very fundamental questions when we look at a company. You know, is it a good market? Is it uh, a good company? And then, you know, is it a good deal? And the third will only come after the first two uh, are met in a very positive manner. And we have a long uh, list of, of questions that we go through with every company or opportunity we meet. Uh, you know, there are a few trends that we follow more closely, opportunities that we identify, and we also have a lot of inbound traffic. Uh, and the idea is always to try and think, you know, can we make 10 times our money on this opportunity? Because if we can't, we're not interested. Uh, what sort of period, though? Over a period of, again, five to seven years uh, holding. Um, and the reason for that 10x f- framework is that we know a priorically that we will lose a third to a half of the portfolio. You know, some will do okay. Well, we will see our money back, maybe a little bit more than that. And one or two or three need to be very big success stories to kind of make up for all the others and make, you know, make, make the return for the fund. So at entry, each and every one of them needs to meet this kind of promise. So it needs to be a very big market where you can take a significant market share and you know, be very meaningful. Uh, it needs to be a very strong team, a very strong company. This is you know, the most basic thing, but as, uh, without a strong team, you go nowhere. Let's pause there. A strong team for a lot of people, it, well, not for a lot of people, for most investors, it would seem basically as a team of, expats from certain universities in the world, um, you know, plugged into certain networks. And not to say that isn't valuable in and of itself, but I mean, that's often, in my observation, what the proxy for a great team appears to be. I, I don't agree. And I think it's, you know, it really depends on the context. Clearly, there is, you know, some some networks make it easier for people to approach you know investors and so on uh, through schools and through other things. With that said, I think that in Africa and we had seen a bunch of these companies you know come and go. If you're not on the ground, you won't get too far. So if you're not here and building your company here with uh, with deep local understanding of the market, you won't go anywhere. Half of my team is African per se i.e. born and, and raised and grew up here. Uh, both Mobile and Andreata bring tremendous insight to our ability to judge ideas and to, you know, to go deep on, on the value of them. And I think you know, same goes for, for founding teams. We're not looking for expats. We're not looking for certain universities' graduates. We're looking for teams that have you know, a deep understanding of the market they're operating in uh, and experience, you know, would mean a lot for us. And if, if you're going to solve a very big problem in a very specific sector, a specific experience in this sector within the founding team, you know, would be uh, would be critical. We're looking for balanced teams. We would always prefer, though we're okay with you know a, a single founder, but there was always always be a preference for a strong team that knows how to work together and has been together for for a long while, 
and took some hits together and so on, uh, where people bring in different things. And, you know, one of them could be an expat or not, and who cares? Uh, you know, it might be that some of them had went and studied abroad or not. That doesn't matter. I mean, I can tell you that, yes, Andela, everyone knows the background of, of, of the team, and, and clearly it is less uh, African, though, that the initial team was, but then they brought in fairly quickly uh, you know, uh, a, a team to, to help them grow, and I think they did very, very smart, uh, uh, smartly on that. Uh, we are just completing two other investments with different profiles. One is a more mixed team. One is a very local Nigerian team. Can you tell us who they are yet? Not yet. Uh, not yet, but we're really in the last leg of uh, documentation, so I hope that in a couple of weeks uh, they will be announced. Um, I can tell you that in the next, we're just now kind of looking, you know, the next uh, round of investments internally, and, you know, who are we engaging in, in further due diligence with. There's some very, very... African per se teams, both in, in, in East and West. Uh, so I, I, I don't believe that we're too judgmental on that. And, you know, you will. You, uh, but you will admit that as a fraternity or as a community, investors do seem to lean quite heavily on, on um, I suppose, pre-vetting. And I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's written with malice. I do think it's just easier to work with what you know and. And to rely on certain vetting tactics that you've used to some success in other markets, etc. And it just rubs locals up the wrong way. But I mean, I think the data does speak to that, though. I think that uh, a few comments on that. One, there are very few investors. So you can't do really, you know, broad analytics on a very small group because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make a ton. Also, there's only so many people getting that money anyway. So really, we're talking very very elementary maths to be or very <laughs> elementary algebra or not even algebra very elementary maths here yeah no my point is you know statistics you 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 need kind of a bigger group to run them on but you had seen what you had seen to date is very few local vcs which we would like to believe we are uh you had seen a bunch of foreign vcs flying in and out and i think this model had met more the foreign founders because you know the net they didn't have the local networks uh, but I think if you look at the early, st right now you have a bunch of seed funds, local seed funds, and I think they're definitely backing local teams. You have very few, including ourselves. Uh, you know, I hope this group will, will grow over time, but VCs that are doing A rounds with local presence, we're among the very, very first, I think, doing that currently. And you will see more backings of, of local teams through that. You know, three of us are in, in country, in continent, Nigeria and in Kenya. So most of the people we meet are here and not in London or, or Tel Aviv or, or, or the Valley. Okay, so fair enough. I, and I want us to close with the Andela story, which I didn't want because I could, I could totally see that sort of absorbing the entire conversation, which, um, which would be fine, but I, I'm so glad we got to other things too. Um, I want to talk about the, the sort of model you've described in as far as what you look for in terms of potential essentially 10x potential in your in your investees and you know within or outside of context some would argue that um, what Africa needs is patient money that um, this obsession with you know seeking out 10x potential and sort of pumping up the aspiration towards like creating the next unicorn quote unquote you know African unicorn is problematic and maybe not constructive when you consider the broader potential of the continent to, to become entrepreneurial and, and benefit from entrepreneurship. And granted, VC funds like yours don't exist necessarily to help 
you know, little Andile start his farm stall and, and sell carrots, you know, or whatever. And, and I appreciate that. But what do you make of the broader claim that maybe we should be selling a more nuanced perspective about what VC plays on the continent should be like or could be like? Again, I think that if you want, you know, there, there is a very long go- ongoing debate whether aid money is good or bad for Africa. And for me, patient capital, you know, is aid. Because once you start putting differentiating factors and you're saying we're not like the rest of the world, the regular money won't come here and the regular talent won't come here. Wait, do you think that's the same um, argument as we are different to the rest of the world as in even to compare economies like Germany, the UK and America in terms of approach? I mean, surely there are nuances to to approach or sort of market applicability. The, the, of course, there are nuances. And, you know, don't get me wrong. By definition, venture capital is patient capital. You know, the fund life is 12 years. Most funds in Israel, you know, live for 12 to 16 years because they usually get extended. So, you know, the average journey of a, of a startup company from, from uh, day one to exit or wherever that is, you know, is 10 to 12 years. So what we're talking about is putting pressure on the growth in that period. You know, or expecting far more in terms of growth within that period, in a sense. We we don't want to make discounts because you're you know because you're African. Uh, to me, I, I I want to fully respect you as you know as smooth brother, smooth. No, I, no, and I think it's no, it's solid. I'm not saying that um, sort of condescendingly. I think I think I think you you have a point here. M- my point is, I don't really care where you were born. Uh, you know, just like in our team we're four very equal partners men women african on african who cares it's you know it's merit based and i think that um you you, uie an african entrepreneur is you know had earned the right to be as respected as a u.s entrepreneur or an israeli entrepreneur and get the same quote-unquote treatment as anyone else and i think that by you know allowing you either more time or telling you that you must you know only serve BOP or you can only you know I'm, I'm actually putting more constraints on your equation I need to be you know to, to treat you like I would have treated anyone else because gravity works here just like it works anywhere else and you know I will do everything in my power ability network to help you grow your business and I would you know urge any entrepreneur we work with to exploit this um, but, you know, for that, we, we want to work with the most talented African entrepreneurs and just prove the world that you can do as good here as you can do anywhere else. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Point taken. So let's uh, close this conversation with talking about Andela. How lucky do you feel to be part of what's easily the most high profile sort of startup success story to come out of this continent? No small thanks, of course, to Facebook throwing aid money to... <laughs> <laughs> towards growing <laughs> this business, and I guess in this case, money's money. I have to, I have to be honest. But um, how, how did how did this deal come to you, and how did you get involved? So we have been, uh, you know, as you as, as mentioned before, we've been around for a long time. So you know, we've been at it since 2011, and uh, and I think uh, the Andela team had uh, we, we had met with them since very early days, since 2014. Uh, you know, and uh, Jeremy at the time had uh, met Omobola a, a couple of times when she was uh, still uh, the minister of ICT in Nigeria. Um, and we had met the rest of the team in other parts of, of the continent. And there was always relationship, but we just never had the fund uh, when they were fundraising uh, before. So. Don't you wish you did, though? 
Yes, it, it, it could have been nice, uh, but you know. All yours. By the way, it's 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 not the only deal that you know we we had unfortunately missed out on, but that's that's life in the big city. Uh, you cannot invest before you have a fund, and hence uh, you know when this round came up and we already had a fund, uh, they they approached and asked if we can join the board. I think they. Uh, perceived uh, a lot of value in having you know someone on the ground specifically in Nigeria which is a key market for them uh, to be able to to help them locally uh, and as you know you know we, we were not the largest investors in this round uh, while we did put in significant amount of money but there were bigger investors and bigger investors in previous round at a higher premium uh, that, that did not join uh, the, the board and you know we, we were for us that was the the, the, the reason to, for joining was the ability to really influence and, and be part of this journey and and yes of course we we feel uh, lucky to to an extent but also I think you know it's it's not just luck it's it's the fact that we are here that we're on the ground have been in and around it for a long time uh, and you know we're very 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 excited about uh, the, the future of this company I look forward to catching up with Pule um, Tagobong of CRE um, who obviously led the round Pule being in at the forefront of this whole, you know, this particular round, it seems to mean a lot to a lot of people. Give me a sense of what it means to lead a round and perhaps why the idea that this is such an amazing thing that we have an African leading this round is either really important or, or just, you know, or maybe just something that perhaps isn't as spectacular as we, we might think. So I think, you know, in this case, again, heads off to CRE and uh, they were the first investors around the table from early days. And hence, you know, they, they led a lot of the things, uh, you know, around in and around fundraising uh, there. And uh, as, as we typically lead rounds and the two other investments, we're just completing. We are leading the the. the, the uh, a round of, of them. I, I think the meaning of that, again, I mean, it's it's a, a bit of maybe an overly used term. And it, again, it, there, there is a difference between a very late round where companies very established to, to a first round where you really take a high risk because things are uh, are less clear. Uh, but, you know, it's the ability to, to really work together with the entrepreneur and, and, you know, be able to agree on terms that are both beneficial for the company and potentially for the investors and then, you know, help gather some of the other investors and bring them in, uh, you know, and create this environment where people feel that this is a worthy opportunity. So, again, I think they've done, you know, very good job around that. We are happy to to be doing that with other investments uh, in the continent. And I hope we will see more and more African, you know, centered and and based funds uh, leading rounds in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I certainly share that sentiment. And thank you so much for your time, Ido. Really, really quite a treat uh, catching up with you. Thank you very much for hosting and uh, happy to do it uh, every now and then. Thanks. Bonus alert. So we switched off the, the mic and then we kept speaking and, and then he, sh- he pulls out his laptop and shows me something really cool. So call this the bonus piece of this, uh, of this interview. And uh, what do we have here, Ido? You sh- uh, you, we have a Google document open. So uh, my team and I put this uh, a couple of uh, months ago, and the idea was just to help entrepreneurs and the community in general to uh, better connect to each other. So it's an open Google Doc, uh, which you can access either directly through uh, the, the Google uh, Doc link or th- through my uh, Medium uh, page or whatever. Uh, and right now we have, I think, roughly 100 uh, early-stage uh, African tech investors listed there with their actual email addresses and 
what they invest in and which si uh, size of checks and which stage and their previous investments and so on. There's also a couple of other tabs about incubators and, uh, and shared spaces and professionals in the scene. And while you're very welcome to add yourselves, if you're angel investors or, or tech investors and are not listed, you're also very welcome to, to use it as a resource to reach out to people and, you know, kind of decide who you want to, uh, who you want to talk to at what, at what stage and so on. Yeah, because, I mean, I see here some email addresses. Whoa, you guys are really putting yourselves out here. So tell me why you think this is important. Um, I mean, there's some obvious reasons I can think of, but how did you come to this idea? I think back to your point, whether, you know, always the same people get funded because they're a network. That's the, the idea is just to make a, an open source uh, place where everyone can talk to everyone uh, fairly easily and also better understand who they need to target and at what stage because not all investors are equal in that sense that you know we invest in different things at different times uh yeah, you can pretty much see what people are into this way you can you can see what they've invested in before and how likely they are to sort of back your vr idea <laughs> if they've never done that before chances are they probably won't or maybe they will who knows yeah so the, the idea is really kind of to to empower the community in that sense and just make it make it easier i assume that a lot of it you can somehow google search but it will take many many days so just put it all in one place and, and have an easier access now you probably understand why i thought it was really important for us to, to add this little bonus clip to this particular interview and come on listen fam uh, i can already see some of the dodgier listeners to this show thinking oh my word this is my opportunity to sort of you know put myself out there as a as an investor i mean we obviously uh this this is this is a platform being done in good faith yeah yes it is and there's also a full uh, page there a full tab about uh you know kind of the the how to act or how to use it but uh yes i i truly believe that uh, people are mature enough to uh, to use it uh, in the right way yeah so really the idea is uh, not to start to use this as a posturing device but really to add value to the community if there is stuff you're up to uh, that's certainly worth knowing about uh, and frankly if you are in the space the information's out there already you know help us by adding to this list and making it that much more useful and of course if you're not doing anything that's worth listing don't list it for goodness sake but thanks so much Ida for telling me about this I'm really glad you did in time for me to share it with all of our listeners thank you very much and then of course where do they find the link to it so uh, we will try and maybe if you have uh, your own page, uh, put the link there. Uh, so this is what we'll do. That's a really good idea. Um, we, you'll actually find this link in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever podcatcher you're using, head to the show notes. We'll put the link there and we'll definitely make it available via social media. We'll, you know, we'll promote it certainly because this is something we, we definitely would like to back. Okay, great. Thank you.